fall of uh, partnership with Amnion Pregnancy Center in Norristown. We've got these baby bottles, and some of you took some home and returned them, and some of you haven't yet. And if you want to, after the service, you can go pick one up, fill it with change or a check or whatever it might be. We want to support uh, mothers and children over in Norristown. We're doing that uh, fundraiser campaign partnership from Mother's Day up until Father's Day, so you have a couple weeks left to go grab one of these. And if you're doing that, uh, don't just support financially, but maybe you put that bottle on your kitchen table and you spend some time praying for the Pregnancy Center, for women, and for children in Norristown each time you see that, or maybe uh, at dinner each week. Well, I'd encourage you, please, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Galatians and chapter 3. The book of Galatians and chapter 3. Sometimes we go through a whole book of the Bible in the sermon series, like we did this past winter in the book of Hosea, or last year in the book of Judges. We go through large passages at a time on a Sunday. But sometimes we take a passage and we study it with a microscope, as we've done most summers here at Cornerstone Church. In 2012, we began to work one chapter at a time through the book of Ephesians. We finished that and took a summer or two off. And then in 2020, we began looking at Galatians. We were in Galatians 1 two years ago, Galatians chapter 2 last year. And so this summer we're picking up and we're going to spend the next six weeks going through Galatians chapter 3. We're calling our sermon series Sola Fide. It is a famous Christian phrase since the time of the Protestant Reformation, which means faith alone. For about 505 years, the central distinction that set the Protestant church apart from the Catholic church at the time was this doctrine. How is man justified before a holy God? Is it faith alone or is there more ingredients in the recipe? Sola fide. We are a Protestant church, so we stand on sola fide, faith alone. Over the next six weeks, we're looking at that. If you want to go back and hear the sermons from those past two summers, last summer's series is on the website. It's called Justified. And the year before, that's also on our website. It's called No Other Gospel for chapter one. Well, before I read verses one through five, our text for this morning, let me pray. Blessed be your name, O Lord. You have gathered your children for worship on your day. You woke us up this morning, and your mercies were not just new, but they were abundant. There was more than enough grace for us in our time of need. Now we come before your word, having sung praise to you, and prayed, and shared fellowship, and our gifts with one another, and we've been encouraged by this time together. But now, Lord, through your word, speak, and help us hear. Lead, and help us follow. Comfort, and help us be comforted. Thank you for this great meal you've prepared for us all week. Help us feast on the bread of life. In Christ's name we thank you and pray. Amen. 
Well, Galatians and chapter 3, I'll be looking at uh, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to begin by reading that now. Galatians 3, 1 through 5. Let's hear the word of our Lord. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? That's God's word for us this morning. Our text has a pretty clear structure. Paul starts out by calling the Galatians foolish. And then he reminds them of the cross and then he asks them four questions. Question one is in verse two. It's a question about the Spirit. Then in verse three, there's a question about sanctification. How do we grow? In verse four, there's a question about suffering. And in verse five, there's a question about miracles. And that means, according to Paul, if we get this question wrong, if we misunderstand the gospel and how we become justified before a holy God, we're going to get the Holy Spirit wrong. We're going to get our own spiritual growth wrong. We're going to suffer for the wrong reasons. We're going to misunderstand God's power. If we get this question wrong about how we become right in God's eyes, our spiritual life will be hijacked or destroyed, and we're going to forget the gospel. So the first thing to notice in these five verses is that Paul is not playing games. Look at verse 1 again. Oh, foolish Galatians. If you don't know the book of Galatians, the, the Galatia region was a region that the Apostle Paul went on a missionary journey to. He visited with them, gave them the gospel. A number of them believed in Jesus Christ and became saved and got the Holy Spirit and started walking in faith. And now he's writing a letter later on to the Christian believers in the region of Galatia. And so in chapter 3, he starts off, Oh, foolish Galatians. The Greek word foolish there, it means you don't understand, or you just don't seem to get it, or you used to get it, but now somehow you've gotten it all confused. That's why he uses that word. Now, he's not insulting their intelligence. He's simply astonished that the beautiful, glorious good news of Jesus Christ, that sinners can become justified before a holy God, has now gotten over time confused to the point of being useless. They've gotten the gospel wrong. Well, then he adds this line, verse 1 again. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Interesting word there. Paul is saying, who did this? Where did you get that idea from? How did this happen? Who confused you? Because in their history, they had come to know Jesus by faith. That's all they had was faith. 
And then some false teachers had gone around to all of the places, or many of the places that Paul brought the gospel. And these men were called Judaizers. And they went around from church to church, and they said, hey, we love that you're on fire for Jesus Christ. You've learned to put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you're going to need more than faith. You're going to need the works of the law, the Jewish system of law, Moses's law, which includes circumcision and purity laws and everything else. So those teachers came along and tricked a lot of the Galatian Christians into thinking faith is not enough to be right with God. So they're fooled. Now, it's one thing to be fooled by an April Fool's prank. My kids try some really creative April Fool's pranks. My favorite thing to do on April 1st is to go online and figure out what all these companies are spending all this money trying to come up with a creative April Fool's Day joke. My favorite one ever was back in 2018. You know the dandruff shampoo head and shoulders, right? Head and shoulders for dandruff. Well, they said on April 1st of 2018 that they were coming out with a body wash for the rest of your body called knees and toes. Head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. You get it? I love stuff like that. Only one of my kids likes my sense of humor. Okay, if you were tricked by, if you were fooled by an April Fool's prank, no harm, no foul. But if you're fooled about the gospel, if you're confused about how you become right with God, it will hijack your entire life, your mind, your heart, your life, your good works, your reason for suffering in this world. And that's why, look at verse 1 again, Paul connects their foolishness to the most important thing. Verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He's saying that your confusion is messing up the story of the cross. He died on a cross publicly. Some of them had seen it. And they clearly heard of this. The message of how sinners are made right with a holy God. It's so important. If you have your Bible, look at the last verse of Galatians 2. So just go back a couple verses. Galatians 2, 21. This is how serious it is. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness, how you become right with God, were through the law, works of the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Paul's saying that Jesus died for a purpose. He had to die to make sinners right with God. This is the most important thing. But if you mix the message up, you, Paul says, nullify the grace of God. And then, even worse, Christ died for no purpose. So this is Paul's grave concern when he writes the letter to the Galatians. You know, it's interesting. In a lot of Paul's letters, he gets a little bit frustrated with some people. In some of his letters, he even names names, and people know who he's referring to. But you don't get this sense of anger or this sense of frustration at this intensity except here for Paul, because if you lose the gospel, you lose everything. Paul's highest level of frustration with this young church was that they were messing up how people get right with God. That's his concern. He gave them hot gospel, but they've forgotten the good news. 
Verse 1, one last time. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Well, now that he gets that out, you fools, who bewitched you? Remember the cross. Now he's going to ask four questions to help them remember where faith comes from, where justification with God comes from. Question one is in verse two. We'll look at that next. This is the question about the Spirit. Look at verse two. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by, here are the two choices, works of the law or by hearing with faith. Now we'll look at verse 2 again in a second, but scoot down to verse 5 because we see the same language again. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by, two choices again, works of the law or by hearing with faith? Okay, so each of these questions is really only about one thing. Here's the question. Is the Christian life Does it start? Does it carry on? And does it finish? Do we live out our good works? Do we live out our faith in this world? Is it foundationally all about faith? Or is faith just one thing that happens at the beginning, and then the foundationally the rest of our Christian life is built on works of the law? That is the question. Is the Christian life from beginning to end about works of the law or about faith? So question number one, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the reason this is Paul's first question is because it's an easy one for the Galatians to answer. They know their story. They didn't know faith. Paul came around and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, and they believed, and they had it all. They had new life. They had born again, new, new life. They had the Spirit. They had miracles in their midst. They had faith. They were growing. They had that in their history. So he says, did you receive this Spirit back then when you first heard it? Was that by faith or was that by works of the law? And this question should have ended the discussion for them. It was obvious. It wasn't until much later that the Judaizers came along and said, hey, Christians in Galatia, welcome to the family, (laughs) but you're going to need to do more to get right with God. Well, if they remembered their own testimony, they had the whole gift of God right at the first moment of faith. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They had it all. Paul can simply point out their own story. And so the Judaizers went around, and here was the gist of their message. They were saying that works of the law— is going to get you right with God, or works of the law are going to keep you right with God. Maybe faith got you right with God, but really to stay right with God, you've got to keep doing the works of the law, or else you're out. Well, Paul can simply point to their own story. They had the Spirit before the Judaizers came along to tell them they needed the law. So the answer to the question, is it by hearing with faith or works of the law, was obviously hearing with faith. They received the Spirit, the gift of God, the new birth, new life in Christ, by hearing with faith. Now, many people had heard the message Paul preached to a lot of people, but everyone who heard it with faith received the Spirit. Over in Romans 10, you don't have to turn there, but in Romans 10, 13, Paul says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he adds this hearing part, because why does it say 
why doesn't it just say faith? Why does it say hearing with faith? Well, uh, in verse 14, then it says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So this line, hearing with faith, describes a heart that hears the good news of Jesus Christ and responds in faith. I trust Jesus, not myself. And even that act of faith is a gift from God. And the Galatians had done that a long time ago. They had the benefits of the faith. They had the gift of the Holy Spirit before these teachers came along trying to add works of the law to the recipe. Well, that should have been enough. So why was it a problem? Why did Paul have to say more? Why did Paul have to keep asking these questions? Here's why. Our hearts are gullible. Opportunistic people move around churches and religious communities trying to get people whose faith is weak or, or stumbling or wavering to say, well, of course you're stumbling because you haven't been good enough lately. Of course your faith isn't strong because you haven't done enough lately. Of course, of course. And then they sell them a bill of goods that you need more than faith to be right with God. And let's be honest, it's because in most parts of life we love checklists. How many of you like making a checklist for a day? Yes, I see the checklist people. If you're like me, here's what I do. I start out, I'm like, all right, I got three things to do. It's my day off. And I write the three things down and I get those three things done. And then like, I get a few other things done that I wasn't planning on doing because I'm easily distracted. And then I go back to my list and I write the other five things I did and I check them off. Look, look at this list. Look at, look at me. We have these checklist hearts. We love to know we got the job done. Back in grad school, I was a teaching assistant. I would occasionally grade papers, and we had a simple grading system, one through ten. And I remember grading a paper with a, a zero, <laughs> right? And uh, the professor had to call me and say, why did we give this student a zero? Well, the assignment was to write a two-page review of this book that was assigned for the class. And the piece of paper was a two-page testimony of how that person came to faith in Jesus Christ. It was really great, but that wasn't the assignment. You got a zero. What do I need to do to get an eight or a nine or a ten? You have to do the assignment. We love checklists. Teenagers want to know, what's going to be on the test? Athletes want to know, what's it going to take? What do I have to do to make the varsity team? Gamers want to know, how do I get all the trophies or achievements for this video game? Employees want to know, what do I need to do to get a promotion? Parents want to know, how am I supposed to parent? Where is the instruction manual for this human? We want checklists. Young adults want to know, what steps should I take next in life? We love checklists. They make us feel like we did it. We got the grade. We got the promotion. We, got, we made the team. We did it. And we live in this meritocracy where we expect results based on checking boxes but the gospel comes into this world, and it is so unnatural. The gospel is so counterintuitive. It's really hard for adults to receive a free gift, isn't it? Isn't it really hard when someone gives you something for free? You don't even know what to do with it. You say, well, can I pay you back? Or you say, what can I offer in return? Or, hey, thanks for the ride. And everyone says, I owe you one, right? 
Because we don't understand how to receive free gifts. We learn the checklist mentality in this world. But isn't it neat that children know how to receive gifts? This is where childlike faith is really important to see in the kids in a church. Yeah, just trust God. Yeah, I'm following Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Childlike faith. You know, children know how to receive a gift. If you don't know, my kids are 13, 11, 9, and 6. Took me a second there. That means we've celebrated 39 birthdays. I have given lots of birthday presents out. All right? Never once did a kid look at me after opening the gift and say, what do I owe you for this? Why? Because kids know how to receive a gift by grace. If a friend said, well, why did your parents get you that for your birthday? For free? Well, well, yeah, of course it was free. My mom and dad loved me and they gave me a gift. It was a gift. That's the gospel. Our Heavenly Father, in order to add us to His family, gives us the gift of faith. We simply receive it. It's not by works of the law. It's by hearing with faith. It's receiving the free gift. But we love checklists, and the Galatians love checklists. Some of those Galatian Christians thought, I'm so glad someone's telling me all the rules I have to follow now to be right with God, because then I can check them off. Because we like checklists, but the gospel is the opposite of that. Works are important, and the law of God is vital to life. But let me say this, I'm going to say it two times. Works are not prerequisites to your faith. Works are fruit and evidence of your faith. I'm going to say that all again. Works are not prerequisites to your faith. They are fruit and evidence of your faith. So question number one, Paul says to the Galatians, when you received the Spirit, when you came to faith, did you receive the Spirit? By works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the answer is simple. It was by faith. They all knew it. It's trusting in Christ alone to be right with God, not yourself. And he wanted them to remember because some of them had forgotten. And when you forget the gospel, you've lost everything. Because you'll never again feel right with God if you have to earn it yourself. Well, that's question one. So with that in mind, we can work through the other three questions much more quickly. Question number two is in verse three. It's the question about sanctification. Look at verse three. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Well, Paul again says foolish, right? In case you forgot how frustrated he was, how scared he was that they were losing the gospel. And here Paul discusses a timeline. He says, you began by the Spirit, you know that, but now are you trying to live out the Christian life by being perfected by, he says, the flesh? So he's talking about how they began and how they're continuing on. In Christianity, we can use the word justification for that moment of salvation. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is saved. You have new birth, born again, new life, and you're right with God, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. 
And then the rest of the Christian life, you can use the word sanctification to talk about that process of growing in Jesus Christ, growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Those words mean more things than that, but that's a simple rubric if you're new to those terms. So Paul is saying, you began by the Spirit. Are you trying to be perfected by the flesh? So Paul's logic is something like this. Faith is what happened in your life when you were justified before God. But now are you living your life every day trying to get re-justified with God by your works, by your behavior, by following the laws of Judaism or some other laws? And Paul is saying it doesn't work that way. You're always justified by faith, and you also grow in the Christian life by that same faith. Sanctification works the same way as justification. They're both by faith. Faith gets you in, but then the big question we wrestle with is, well, how do we grow? And so Paul's use of that word flesh is key. Look at verse 3 again. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That would have reminded the Jewish readers in Galatia right away of circumcision. That word flesh, they would have thought, oh yeah, all the Jews, they had to be circumcised. The boys did, right? Circumcision was a key work of the law in the old covenant. So the question boils down to this, for Paul to the Galatians and for God to our hearts this morning. You started by the Spirit, faith. Are you trying to finish by works? Faith is how you started, but are you trying to get yourself across the finish line on your own strength? Have you forgotten that it was all about faith? Let me give you some specifics. If you read through Galatians, I'd recommend you read through all of Galatians a couple times as we go through this sermon series on Galatians 3. Later in Galatians, in Galatians 5, we have the fruit of the Spirit. Well, let's think about sanctification in the fruit of the Spirit, and let's ask ourselves, is it by faith or is it by works? All right, here's a fruit of the Spirit, peace. Let me ask you, if you're a Christian, if you're walking with Jesus, are you more peaceful than you were when you first came to Jesus Christ? And if you are, is that because of faith and the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Or is it because of your works? Is it faith that grows peace, or is it by works? Well, we don't call it the fruit of the David. We don't call it the fruit of the child of God. We call it the fruit of the Spirit, because if the fruit is growing in you, even that is a gift we receive by faith. So if you're more peaceful than you were and more peaceable than you were, even that only happened by faith over the last three or five or twenty or 50 years of faith. Let me ask you, are you more self-controlled than when you first came to Jesus Christ? If so, who is responsible for that fruit? Is it by faith that it grows or by works? Well, friends, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's faith. You know what else is a fruit of the Spirit? Faith. (laughs) Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. Even your faithfulness to God is a fruit of the Spirit. And this is a central question that Christians have to wrestle with. The church in Galatia was wrestling with it, and they were getting fooled by false teachers. And we always have to have our guard up to remember that it's faith 
that gets you in and faith that gets you through because it's not you that gets you in or through. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit at work in your life that gets you in and gets you through. But many Christians wrestle with this, and we call that sanctification. Well, let me give you some examples of uh, how to do good works by faith and not by trusting in works. All right, let me give you a few examples. Uh, Jesus forgives sinners, and everyone who believes that says, Amen. Jesus forgives sinners. That's great. You have faith in the good news that you, a sinner, can be saved by Jesus Christ, your perfect, sinless Savior. That's a key belief of true faith. Now, here's the hard question of how to live that out. We are called by Jesus Christ to forgive those who have sinned against us, to forgive those who have wronged us. So how are we going to forgive people? Is it going to be by works that we do, or is it going to be by faith in the good news? Well, here's how it works. We forgive because we have been forgiven. We stare at the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot forgive on our own strength. In order for us to forgive a wrong against us, we must remember in that moment that we have been forgiven of our rebellion against God. And Jesus Christ paid it all. So we forgive because we've been forgiven. Even our good works of offering forgiveness is enabled by faith. How about love? 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. That's how it works. How about sacrificing for others. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Are you being called right now to serve another person, a family member, an employee, a co-worker, a neighbor, a stranger, a student, a teacher? Are you called right now to be sacrificially serving someone else? You can't do that by works. You can't do that on your own strength. Because where is this idea from? That someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for us so that we can do that for others. That's faith. Faith in the gospel is how we do good works. It's not how we get right with God. It's the gospel that enables us to do the good works prepared beforehand for us by God. Verse 3 again. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, right, by faith, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Well, maybe you're here this morning and you're realizing right now that you've forgotten faith. And you've been trying to live out your faith without faith. You've been trying to live out your faith with only works. Friends, it's a dead end. You can't do it. You will crush your soul. Faith is the key. Trust in Jesus, not you. Like we sang a few minutes ago. What did we sing? Take my hands and let them move. Not, Lord, watch how good my hands are when they move. It's take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love, at your direction, Lord. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee, swift and beautiful for thee. Or as we're going to sing at the end of the service, to this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to him, when the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. 
That's how we do it. That's how we do faith this week. Yet not you, but through Christ in you. So let Paul's words ask you this morning, because I don't know where your hearts are, but the Lord does. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? May God help us all not be so foolish as to believe the lie that we have to earn our justification with God every day by works. Question three is in verse four, and it's the question of suffering. Verse four, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Well, they should be convinced by now. The first two questions should have sold it. You got the Spirit, and and you, you got faith to help you be sanctified and grow in Jesus Christ. Question three is about suffering. Paul now adds extra motivation. He's saying to them, don't you understand that it's costing you something to walk with Jesus? It's costing you something in your family, in your neighborhood, in your country to follow Jesus. You're suffering for this. You're being persecuted for this. You're suffering for this. Is it all in vain? Is it all in vain? Well, persecution doesn't really come on nice people. I don't usually, when I tell people I'm a pastor, and they say, well, what kinds of things does your church do? And if, like, missions come up, and I say, yeah, hey, we, uh, we send uh, support to this children's home in Kenya. I've never heard someone, even non-Christians, say, well, I, I don't like you for that. I can't believe you guys do that. Why would you do that? What's wrong with you? What's your problem? You don't get persecuted for doing things like this. We're not persecuted all over the world, and even in our own country, because we forgive people who wronged us. We're not persecuted for that. We're not facing persecution because we care for children in Rwanda or Guatemala or Norristown through Amnion. The thing that really costs us is the cross of Jesus Christ. That claim that everyone's a sinner and the only way to be right with God is through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. That claim of exclusivity, even though the offer is the most inclusive offer ever, everyone from every tribe, nation, and tongue who calls in the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved by faith. And it's a gift. That's good news. But the part of the message where you can only be right with God through what Jesus did, that costs us something. And it costs the Galatian Christians something. They were paying a price to follow Jesus. And remember in Galatians 2, 21, Paul's big concern, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if the righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So if you and I can be right with God by works of the law, then the cross isn't necessary, and Jesus died and suffered for no reason, and you're now suffering as a follower of Jesus for no reason. So Paul's saying, are you suffering in vain? Are you wasting your time? If you could be right with God by works, then we didn't need Jesus, and you might as well well not suffer for him. That's his third question, the question of suffering. Obviously, the cross was necessary, and we shouldn't consider it a privilege to suffer for Jesus Christ because he gave his life for us. May God help us suffer well for his glory. That's the third question, the suffering question. Finally, and most briefly, is question number four, and that's in verse five. It's a question about miracles and God's power in the midst of the Galatians and in our midst. Verse 5. 
Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So the first question was, how did you receive the Spirit? How are you growing? Is it by faith or is it by works of the law? And now the question is, how is God doing this good work in your life? If you're saved, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, God has given you a heart of flesh from a heart of stone. He saved you from the slavery of sin. Your death isn't going to be the end of your life. All of that is a miracle. So all those lives transformed by Christ are miracles. And all morning long, as we've been using our spiritual gifts with one another to encourage, to bear each other's burdens, to pray for each other, to smile and welcome one another and greet one another in the name of the Lord, and as we've used our voices to sing praises to God, all of this is empowered by the Spirit. All of what's happened today so far is a gift of God. Does He, who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does He only do that for churches who've done all the works right? Or is that all faith as well? God does things in churches that don't even preach the gospel because God isn't going to let bad preaching stop him from changing lives. How does God give you new life? Faith or works? It's faith. Does God give you the Holy Spirit by faith or works? It's faith. How is God doing miracles among you? Is that by faith or by works? Do you know why we pray for miracles? Medically and spiritually and relationally, some things we're praying for are relational miracles. Lord, will you please reconcile these two parties? It's going to take a miracle. Why do we pray for miracles? It's not because we think that if we pray good enough, he'll do it. It's because we have faith that he does miracles. And so we're just trusting him. It's an act of faith to pray hard and long and regularly for a miracle. Because we're trusting in the one who does miracles, not in the strength or intensity of our prayers. How does God grow the fruit of the Spirit in you? Faith or works? It's faith. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And how does God lead you in good works? Is it faith or works? It's faith. And here's the most interesting, interesting thing about this whole faith and works discussion. W- what is God actually doing? I want to peek just for a moment as we close at Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, Paul says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's how it started. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works like we've been talking about. Why? So that no one may boast. And here's the key. For we, this is Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship. We're his works, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's not even about our works or our faith. It's about his works. If you are in Christ, if you've done anything good for him this week, it's his works that get it done. It's his spirit that's producing fruit in you. It's his comfort that's getting you through a trial. It's his endurance that's getting you through the long path you've been walking. It's his work in your life, and you are his masterpiece. You are his works. It's not about our works or our faith. It's about his works. Verse 5 again, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it because of works of the law or by hearing with faith? Well, the answer is by hearing 
with faith. Sola fide, faith alone. So if you've been working your way to God, repent today of the sin of self-righteousness and then walk in the freedom of faith, knowing that your standing as a child of God is not based on how you've been lately, but it's based on what Jesus did for you. Walk in the freedom of faith. If you've been trying to earn God's favor, repent of the sin of denying grace and walk in the freedom of faith. If you've been trying to grow the fruit of the Spirit in you by yourself, repent of that sin and walk in the fruit of the Spirit by faith. And for some of you, maybe you've forgotten that you're a work of God, a masterpiece. Your step of faith is simply this. Run back to Him in joyful gratitude that He sent His Son to die in your place to make you his masterpiece. And then walk this week by faith to do the good works he has prepared for you to do. Sola fide, faith alone. It's really good news for you and for the world. Let me pray. Lord, we confess that it is tempting to want a checklist for our faith. We confess we are tempted at times by our enemy to believe that we're no longer your children because we failed. Thank you for this reminder that it was by grace through faith in Jesus that we came to know you as a son or a daughter in your family. And Lord, it's helpful to remember that even as we walk through life, even our sanctification is empowered and made possible by you and your spirit. And it is a walk of faith, not of works, so that no one can boast. Lord, help us live in light of that. Help us know that we've been made right with you through Jesus Christ. Help us walk this week doing the good works you've prepared for us to do and help everything we do be by faith in Christ alone so that Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, gets all of the glory. Lord, more than anything else, may we be amazed at your works on behalf of sinners, reconciling sinners to yourself through the perfect work and life and death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, for us. Help us walk in faith this week. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?